Please be aware the stories, theories, reenactments, and language in this podcast are of an adult nature and can be disturbing, frightening, and even in some cases, offensive. Listener discretion is therefore advised. Hey, there is very, very adult content ahead, and you have been warned. Welcome, heathens. Welcome to the world of the weird and unexplained. I'm your host, Nicole Delacroix, and together we will be investigating stories about the weird, wonderful, unexplained, eerie, scary, and downright unbelievable. There will be tales of ghosts, murder, supernatural beings, and unexplained mysteries. So, sit back, grab your favorite drink, Relax and prepare to be transported to today's Dark Enigma. And on today's Dark Enigma, we're going to be diving into a legend that is one that I grew up with. And it was also a very special listener request. We're going to be investigating the legend of La Llorona. And I hope I pronounced that correctly because I asked all my Spanish-speaking friends to make sure I got it right. They even wrote it out for me, so I hope it's good. And as always, we will be playing our drinking game. But again, the drinking game is only for those of you that are at home and have nowhere else to go tonight. So you can go the easy route since this is a decidedly Hispanic and Southwest-themed story. You can drop some tequila shots. And I have found one drink named for our main character that you can get the link for if you read the notes. Ah, now on to the game part. Every time I say legend, that will be a single shot. And every time I say weeping, that will be a double shot. All right, that takes care of the business end, and we can jump headfirst, literally, into today's dark enigma, La Llorona, or the Weeping Woman of the Southwest. The legend of La Llorona, Spanish for the Weeping Woman, has been a part of Hispanic culture in the Southwest since the days of the conquistadors. The tall, thin spirit is said to be blessed with natural beauty and long, flowing black hair. Wearing a white gown, she roams the rivers and creeks, wailing into the night and searching for children to drag, screaming to a watery grave. No one really knows when the legend of La Llorona began or from where it even originated. Though the tales from they do vary from source to source, there is one common thread, is that she is a spirit of a doomed mother who drowned her own children and now has to spend eternity searching for them in rivers and lakes. La Llorona was christened Maria, was born to a peasant family in a humble village. Her startling beauty captured the attention of both the rich and the poor men of the area. She was said to have spent her days in her humble peasant surroundings, but in the evenings she would don her best white gown and thrill the men who admired her in the local fandangos. The young men anxiously would wait for her arrival, and she reveled in the attention that she received. However, La Llorona had two small sons who made it very difficult for her to spend her evenings out, and very often, 
she would leave them alone while she cavorted with all the gentlemen during the evenings. One day, the two small boys were found drowned in the river. Some say they drowned through her neglect, and others say that they may have even died by her own hand. Another legend says that La Llorona was a caring woman full of life and love, who married a wealthy man who lavished her with gifts and attention. However, after she bore him two sons, he began to change, returning to a life of womanizing and alcohol, often leaving her for months at a time. He seemingly no longer cared for the beautiful Maria, even talking about leaving her to marry a woman of his own wealthy class. When he did return home, it was only to visit his children, and the devastated Maria began to feel resentment toward the boys. One evening, they say, as Maria was strolling with her two children on a shady pathway near the river, her husband came by in a carriage with an elegant lady beside him. He stopped and spoke to his children, but ignored Maria, and then drove the carriage down the road without even looking back. After seeing this, Maria went into a terrible rage, and turning against her children, she seized them and threw them into the river. As they disappeared downstream, she realized what she had done and ran down the bank to save them, but it was too late. Maria broke down into inconsolable grief, running down the streets screaming and wailing. The beautiful La Llorona mourned them day and night. During this time, she would not eat and walked along the river in her white gown searching for her boys, hoping they would come back to her. She cried endlessly as she roamed the riverbanks, and her gown eventually became soiled and torn. When she continued to refuse to eat, she grew thinner and appeared even taller until she looked almost like a walking skeleton. Still a young woman, she finally died on the banks of the river. Not long after her death, her restless spirit began to appear, walking the banks of the Santa Fe River when darkness fell. Her weeping and wailing became a curse of the night, and people began to be afraid to go out after dark. She was said to have been seen drifting between the trees along the shoreline, or floating on the current with her long white gown spread out upon the waters. On many a dark night, people would see her walking along the riverbank and crying for her children. And so, they no longer spoke of her as Maria, but rather La Llorona the weeping woman. Children are warned not to go out in the dark, for La Llorona might snatch them, throwing them to their deaths in the flowing waters. Hair as dark as night slips down her back as she crouches low next to the creek and sinks her hands into the cool water. A dress as white as her hair is black drapes over her frame, it's a haunting image, made even more eerie by the fact that there is no sound save the tinkling water of the stream. But then, the rough hiccup of a woman crying splits through the silence, growing louder and louder until the woman with the long black hair and the white-as-white white dress turns and looks directly at you. Still, the desperate wailing surrounds you, picking up speed, picking up strength, until 
There is the very present fear that something is wrong. Very wrong. And her face? Well, it's not quite human. Maybe blank with no features at all, no eyes, no nose, no mouth from whence the wailing comes. Or worse, her face is not blank at all. There are eyes, a nose, a mouth, but they're elongated, protruding, maybe even in the shape of a donkey or maybe a horse. Hers is the face of La Llorona, the weeping woman, and the fact that you've met her acquaintance, well, we will wish you the best of luck. For as the legend goes, her presence almost always meets with death, disease, or something equally horrifying. Though the legends vary, the apparition is said to act without hesitation or mercy. The tales of her cruelty depends on the version of the legend that you hear. Some say that she kills indiscriminately, taking men, women, and even children, whoever is foolish enough to get close enough to her. Others say that she is very barbaric and kills only children, dragging them screaming into a watery grave. If you've never heard of the weeping woman, rest assured you're not alone. Her notoriety or claim to fame, if you will, it's most commonly found in Texas and any area where the Spanish influence is still well and vibrant, or even in Mexico itself where the story is said to have originated. It's a legend that tells the story of greed and selfishness, as well as sticking to the high moral road. It's told to young children with a troublemaking bent, and to adults who put their own needs first and foremost. But who is this La Llorona? Well, that depends on who you're talking to. Like many legends all over the world, there are a few different variations of the same tale. For the most part, though, each variation circul circulates around a woman who drowns her own children. As one version of the tale goes, La Llorona was once a very happy young woman who married the love of her life at a grand stone church in Mexico. There she was standing at the altar, her white dress cascading all around her, as she grinned brightly up at her new husband. The priest then turned to her and requested that the woman promise to give her firstborn son to the priesthood. Quickly she agrees, no doubt excited to start in on married life with her new husband. But as her children were born, one son and then another, and a daughter too, she realized one thing. She did not want to give any of her children, son or daughter, to the church. The young woman reneged on her word, hoping that the priest, well, would maybe never notice. Then, one day, her house caught on fire. The flames licked at the building, swallowed it whole as though it had never even existed at all. And the woman's children, caught in that fire itself, burned into non-existence like they had never existed at all either. In a twist of fate, the woman suffered burns, but somehow manages to survive. But in doing so, her features took on that of a donkey or a horse, and she thereafter became known as the Donkey Lady. Fate damned her into searching for her children for all of eternity. For the rest of her life, she wandered along the dips and winds of the nearby creeks and rivers, forever hoping to find her beloved children. She never did. Since her death, many others have claimed to see La Llorona along the same rivers and creeks that she had scourged during life, in partic particular around the Alazon and Martinez creeks in the San Antonio region.
while women tend to catch a glimpse of her long black hair or the long snout of her nose, it is the men who more frequently hear her desperate pleas. Mi hijo, mi hijo, she's known to shout, calling for a son that has been gone for generations. As a word to the wise, don't rush out to save her. Should you find her in the depths of the river, those who have gallantly attempted to pull her from the water have drowned themselves. While La Llorona from this first tell intentionally went against the priest's request and therefore was damned to face the consequences of her decision, the next version of the story, well, that wasn't the case at all. Like the very first tell, this one also starts at a church. But whereas the first tells the tale of a marriage, this one tells the tale of a set of twins. Apparently, they were so identical that the first baby girl was baptized twice, without the priest even realizing that he'd made this error. Over the years, both twin girls grew up and got married. But while the baptized girl finds love and true happiness, the twin who had been accidentally skipped over by the priest, the one who had never been baptized, found none of this. She burned with constant anger and fury, for what seemed like no reason at all. She gave birth to a son and a daughter, but did not love either one. In fact, she disliked them so much that she drowned them both in the Asiquia, one of the area's many irrigation canals. Life continued on unchanged, but when the woman passed and faced judgment, she was turned away to forever look for the children she had brutally drowned. Only on Judgment Day could her sins be forgiven. Ever since she was resent back to the plain of the living, La Llorona's ghost has roamed the area where she first drowned her children. Considering that she's been spotted along the creeks and asequias, her cries heard from miles away, it's clear that her soul has not yet found redemption. While there are literally hundreds of variations of this ghostly legend, this one is the one that perhaps is most commonly repeated. It starts, like many of the others, with a very beautiful woman who just happens to be a peasant. Much like Cinderella, Luisa was wooed by a wealthy older man. His name was, according to Corpus Christi psychologist and writer Jane Simon Amison, Don Muno Montes Claro. As the story goes, Luisa and Don Muno were of different social classes. Luisa hoped that a marriage proposal might be forthcoming. Don Muno, well, he could not imagine actually marrying someone of Luisa's social station. So he put her up as his mistress. He gave her a nice little cottage on his estate and visited her whenever he wished for her. For her part, Luisa was all too pleased by the turn of events. She not only had all of Don Muno's love and affection, but she was also given jewels and beautiful clothes and... Well, children. I mean, she was his mistress after all, right? For a long time, though, all went exceedingly well. Until, slowly but surely, Don Muno stopped visiting Luisa and her children. Visits mul multiple times per week were cut in half, and then it seemed that all that was left was the ghost of Don Muno. Luisa hadn't seen him in ages. Gathering every bit of courage that she had, like a set of armored chainmail, Luisa took a deep breath and made the trek over to the main house. She would ask him personally as to why he has not come to see her and their children in so long. 
When she arrived at Don Munoz's home, she tracked down a servant to ask if she might be granted the chance to see her lover. The, ser the servant sagely shook his head. I'm sorry, Senorita Luisa, the servant murmured, but Don Muno is set to be married this very day. Today, Luisa asked, answered shrilly. It cannot be true. But alas, it was. Don Muno, wealthy man that he was, had arranged a marriage to a woman equal in his social stature, another member of the aristocracy. Completely beside herself with grief, Louisa made the long walk back to her little cottage that should have represented love, but now only represented a lie. By the time she reached her front door, the grief morphed into anger. And the anger? Well, Louisa was not herself when she threw open that door and snatched up her children. She marched down to the river and threw them all in. She ignored their calls for help, just as she ignored their frantic attempts to kick their little bodies to the surface of the water. They drowned. Unsurprisingly, Louisa's sins were discovered, and she was hauled down to the county jail. Not long after, realization that she'd killed her children began to set in. And when it did, it said that she died from the grief. According to this particular story retold by Jane Simon Amison, Don Muno's new wife died on the very same day that Luisa herself did. And, naturally, Luisa's spirit was doomed to wander the streams and creeks and watering holes until she found her children. They have not been found, and her wails can still be heard throughout the area. Like many urban legends, there are countless tales about La Llorona, or the Weeping Woman, there's another about a teenage girl who became pregnant, though she had never actually been with a man. And in this rendition, it was not the girl who drowned the children, but the father in an attempt to hide the shame. The girl died along the riverbank from losing too much blood. In others, La Llorona is the cheating wife who drowns their children. But is there a possibility that the legend once was founded in truth? According to anthropologist Bernadine Santistivan, the earliest reference to a weeping woman, or La Llorona, within the Spanish culture dates to the 16th century and the Spanish conquistadors in Mexico. In 1502, a young Aztec girl named La Malanche fell hopelessly in love with the famed conquistador Cortez. Their relationship culminated in two sons. But then Cortez made the executive decision to travel back to Spain, and he intended to bring his two sons back with him. The invitation, however, was not extended to La Malanchi, and she refused to let Cortez leave with her children. Taking matters into her own hands, she dragged both sons down to the river, where she killed them. As the story goes, she spent the next ten years searching and grieving over the children she had sacrificed to her own anger. In history, La Malanche, also known as Malinali, Marina, or even Malanzin, which referenced both Cortez and La Malanche together as one, was one of twenty slaves given to conquer Hernán Cortez and the other Spaniards in 1519. This means that at some point the dates were switched, as it's believed Malanchi was not even born until maybe 1496 or 1501. Who knows? La Malanchi and Cortez's relationship struck up almost right from the start. 
She acted as his interpreter to the other people of the Tabasco area as she spoke both Mayan and Natul, as well as a political advisor. It's true that she gave birth to one of Cortez's son, who was reportedly the first mestizo, or the people of mixed European and indigenous American heritage. But it's unlikely that La Malinche would drown her own child. In fact, after helping Cortez stave off a rebellion in what's today now Honduras, as well as to set up current-day Mexico City, she was married off to Juan Jaramillo, a Spanish Hidalgo. With him, she gave birth to a daughter, and historians generally agree that they do not know what happened to La Malachi after this. It's thought that she may have died in 1529, just 10 years after the conquest of Mexico or Tenochtitlan. Her son, Don Martin, did return to Spain with his father Cortez, where he was raised by his Spanish family. As for Dona Maria, La Malachi's daughters with her Jaramillo, she was raised by her father and his second wife, Dona Beatriz de Andrada. Today, in Mexico, La Malanchi is seen as being the mythical archetype of all Mexican women. Brave and courageous, knowledgeable and motherly. In 1901, she appeared on the five peso banknote, which had been issued by the Banco de Tabasco. In the 1960s, poet Rosario Castellanos made La Malanchi the center of a poem in which she was depicted not as a traitor among her people, but a victim. But in time, modern culture has also associated this historic fi figure with La Llorona, the weeping woman who has not only lost her children, but, as but has also killed them. And in modern times, there have, been, there have even those who have claimed to be La Llorona. In 1986, in the Buffalo Bayou surrounding the San Antonio region, a murder took place that rocked the people to their core. After years of suffering abuse at the hands of her husband, Juana Marie Lejia refused to deal with it any longer. One morning, she brought her seven children down to the dark, murky waters of Buffalo Bayou. There's not so much information if the children fought against her, but Juana Marie Lejia was too far gone. She saw no other option than taking the life of her children. She threw six of her seven children into the river. Two of her children, Juana and Judas Dimas, did not make it. The rest were saved by rescuers who were called to the scene. As can be expected, Juana Marie Lejia protested her innocence by claiming she had no choice. Her husband was violently aggressive to her and the children. The court ruled that Juana Marie Lejia would receive 10 years of probation because of the deaths of her children and the attempt to drown her others. But there was one thing that struck the police officers as strange. When they asked Juana Maria Lejia why she had committed such a heinous crime, yes, she claimed it was to escape her husband. There was also one other reason, however. And that reason? Juana Maria Lejia claimed to be La Llorona herself. So we're going to take a little break here, and I'm going to hope that you don't hear Maria's wails. If you do, well, we'll have a few first-hand accounts that may help after the break. So, join me back here after for some chilling tales of La Llorona after the break.
Welcome back, my heathens. I'm so glad that you came back. I hope you're just as excited as I am to jump into these first-hand accounts. So I'm not going to waste any of our precious time together. We're going to just jump headfirst into the deep end. That's right, that pun was totally intended, my loves. Alright, first story. Patricio Lujan was a young boy in New Mexico in the 1930s. When a normal day with his family in Santa Fe was interrupted by the sight of a strange woman near their property. The family watched in curious silence as the tall, thin woman, dressed all in white, crossed the road near their house without a word and headed for a nearby creek. It wasn't until she got to the water that the family realized something was really wrong. As Lujan told it, she just seemed to glide as if she had no legs before disappearing. After reappearing at a distance far too quickly for any normal woman to have tra traversed, she disappeared again for good, without leaving a single footprint behind. Luhan was disturbed, but knew exactly who the woman had been. La Yarona. She has been seen along many rivers across the entire southwest, and the legend has, been, has become part of Hispanic culture everywhere. Part of the legend is that those who do not treat their families well will see her, and she will teach them a lesson. Another story involved a man by the name of Epifanio Garcia, who was an outspoken boy who often argued with his mother and his father. After a heated argument, Epifanio, along with his brothers Carlos and Augustine, decided to leave their ranch in Ojo de la Vaca to head toward the Via Real de Santa Fe. However, when they were along their way, they were visited by a tall woman wearing a, back, a black tapalo and a black net over her face. Two of the boys were riding in the front of the wagon when the spirit appeared on the seat between them. She was silent and continued to sit there until Apifanio finally turned the horses around and headed back home, at which time she said, I will visit you again some day when you argue with your mother. Ooh, that one gave me chills. Woo! In Santa Fe, New Mexico, the tall wailing spirit has been seen repeatedly in the PERA building, which is the Public Employees Retirement Association. It is built on land that was once an old Spanish Indian graveyard and is very close to the Santa Fe River. Apparently, these people never saw the Poltergeist movies, right? Many people who have been employed there tell of hearing cries resounding through the halls and feeling unseen hands pushing them while on the stairways. La Llorona has been heard at night wailing next to rivers by many of her wanderings, and they've grown wider as the Hispanic people have moved out into the United States, and it, she seems to follow Hispanic people wherever they go. Her movements have been traced throughout the Southwest and as far north as Montana on the banks of the Yellowstone. The Hispanic people believe that the weeping woman will always be with them, following the many rivers looking for her children, and for this reason, many of them fear the dark and pass the legend from generation to generation. A tale by Reverend Elizabeth Kirkwood via Legends of America starts, and I quote, At the age of seven, I was attending the new Parajito School in the South Valley of Albuquerque, New Mexico. I loved attending the Parajito School, especially when it was time to play outside in the schoolyard. Surrounding the playground was a high fence to keep the children from wandering off. 
Behind the fence was an irrigation ditch that fed an alfalfa field on the other side of the trench. In the high, arid land surrounding Albuquerque, it seemed as if there were ditches everywhere watering the fields beyond the city. Soon, we met a little boy who was not yet old enough to attend school. He would often come and play by the fence and watch as the other children frolicked in the schoolyard. But one day our play was interrupted by a big commotion near the schoolyard fence. As we ran toward the fence, we soon discovered that the little boy had fallen into the irrigation ditch. Though one of our teachers pulled the boy from the muddy water and began resuscitation efforts, it was already too late. That was the first time I had ever experienced the loss of a friend. The next day at school, one of the children told me that La Llorona had gotten the boy. I could only stand there speechless, having never heard of La Llorona. They explained that she was the ditch lady that wandered up and down the ditches looking for little kids to steal because her children had down, drowned in a terrible accident. That frightened me because right outside my back door were two of these muddy trenches. On cloudy days, we could imagine her ascending from the heavens to take her place along the irrigation ditches. When I was in the seventh grade, I had a frightening dream. I saw myself standing on a dark road with the only illumination coming from a dim street light. The ground was wet, and in the distance, I could hear the sound of rain falling and the tap, tap, tapping of footsteps coming toward me. Peering into the darkness, I could make out a woman, dressed all in black, with a dark, lacy veil covering her face, moving toward me. Strangely, as the mysterious woman grew closer, so did the rain. When the woman was about fifteen feet in front of me, she looked over my shoulder. When I turned around to see what she was looking at, I saw a young child dressed in a white nightgown, playing with a doll in the middle of a puddle of water. When I turned back to her... She was right in front of me. The veil was lifted. Her eyes were abnormally wide, and her face was no more than three inches away from mine. Her terrifying eyes stared into mine, dead on until I awoke in a panic. I looked toward the window. It was raining. As you can imagine, I didn't sleep for the rest of the night. The next day, I shook off the dream and thought nothing more about it, until a year later... On that night, I was spending the night with my friend Veronica, who had also invited another friend named Sarah. In the course of the evening, Sarah, who is a Hispanic, began to tell us some of the legends and ghost stories of the Mexican culture. When she began to tell the tale of La Llorona, I didn't think anything of it at first. Then she began to tell of how the legendary spirit travels by water, dressed all in black or white, and is almost always seen wearing a veil. Sarah continued by telling us that La Llorona lifts her veil only to her victims, that in their afterlife she has chosen to help her find the bones of her lost children. And now, I constantly wonder if, in my afterlife, I will be forced to help her find the bones of her lost children. End quote. Ooh, I like that one too. That one gave me some chills. A little bit. Alright, we got one more. Hope you guys are liking these. Our last story comes from a Santa Fe newspaper and a Socorro man and his wife who remember the summer of 1948 very well indeed. It was July and the weather had become extremely hot. To escape the heat, they decided to camp a few days under the shade of the Bosque along the Rio Grande with their neighbors. Two families, 
consisting of four adults and four children, camped along the river in a thick stand of cottonwood trees near Luis Lopez. On the first day, they fished, swam the river, and played a variety of games. By sundown, they had a large campfire burning, cooking hot dogs, and a couple of catfish they'd caught, and it was a fun time for everybody. Later in the evening, the four children disappeared into the darkness of the bosque, playing hide-and-seek amidst the trees, with a stern warning from the parents to not go near the river. As the adults sat around the campfire, they suddenly noticed it was deathly quiet. The giggles and screams of their playful children had gone silent. The two mothers immediately got up and began calling their children's names into the darkness. There was no answer. Again they yelled their names, and again no answer. The mothers began to panic, fearing the children had slipped into the river. Just then, they heard the rustling of brush as the older boy ran toward the light of the campfire, yelling, Mama! Mama! Though out of breath, he explained to his parents there was a strange woman talking to them down by the river. What is she saying? one of the mothers asked. The young lad replied, She keeps asking, Has visto a mesillos? Have you seen my children? Oh my God, La Llorona, the two mothers screamed. The parents ran toward the river to rescue their children. Running through the trees to the bank of the Rio Grande, they could see the silhouettes of the three other children. Only a few feet away stood a tall, thin woman wearing a long white gown that seemed to glow in the moonlight. The children stood frozen as the woman repeated, repeatedly asked, ¿Dónde están mis hijos? Where are my children? The parents began to yell, Jose, Maria, Alicia, quickly come here. The children obeyed and ran toward their parents. The woman in the river began a bone-chilling scream, yelling, No, no, abandoneme, por favor, vuelta a mi, mis hijos. No, don't leave. Please come back to me, my children. The parents and the children were so frightened from the experience, they immediately abandoned their camp and sped back to their homes in Socorro. And if these tales don't fill your heart with dread and doom, then you'll need just another tale. And this one? Well, it's from the producers of the Conjuring series. That's right. On April 19th, you can see The Curse of La Llorona, one movie that is sure to scare even the bravest among us into getting away from the water. That's right, guys. Jaws has nothing on this lady. And maybe now that you know the story... It'll add to the creep factor for the movie. And with that, we've come to the end of our episode. And I do thank you for joining me today. I hope you'll take some time to reach out and share your thoughts on what you think happened. You can reach the show, as always, at darkenigmapodcast at gmail.com. And if you have suggestions for future shows, just like this lucky listener did, or you just want to tell me what you think, drop me a line. I do respond to every email... Well, eventually. <laughs> and on that note, that's all the time we have for today. Thank you so much for joining us here on Renegade Talk Radio. And don't forget to tune in next time. Keep it spooky, my heathens. We don't sugarcoat shit. <laughs> This is Renegade Talk Radio. Renegade Talk Radio.